I feel like I should be. Uh, we're just going to assume it's done. Okay, cool. We'll just say it's rumour, but then basically. Um, I feel like I should. Be, I feel like I should put on a tie. You get the yellow <laughs> ties out. <laughs> yellow ties. No, what? Which one are you use? Cavett, or which one are you use? Darmesh. <laughs> uh, I want to be Darmesh. Oh yeah, because no one wants to be Cavett. I'm sorry, Dave. You're Cavett. <laughs> Um, hello and welcome back to another episode of the In and Around Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is Sports Media's number one, Joel Linton Correspondent. It's Mr. Michael Breslin, a.k.a. Talisa Superfan number one. <laughs> <laughs> hello, everybody. Yeah. And underneath him on the computer screen, least is the Mosley Marauder, David Carmichael. Cool, Harris. How are you, Dave? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Well, you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, we've got lots to get through this week and little time to do it. So um, we're going to race on and we're going to do a bit of a transfer special. <laughs> Look at that, getting with the ITKs like um, Indy Callier on Twitter, you know, with these KFC. If this doesn't get engagements, I don't know what will. I'll t- I tell you what will. I'll tell you what will get engagements. We start, we start tweeting some of the things that we say private. We'll get engagements let me tell you. Um, uh, sh- we start let's start off with Everton um big signing of the window Frank Lampard he's not playing in their midfield although he probably improved it um confirmed as being their new manager so, lads what were your initial reactions to this uh I'm just intrigued I'm intrigued I'd I think with this Everton job, I was thinking, I don't know anyone that could go in and make a good job of this because it's such a bad job to take on. I mean, it's better than him taking the Norwich job, isn't it? But I mean, certainly interesting. Sort of thinking from two ways. I'm not sure this is good for Lampard or from Everton. Maybe they need a more experienced manager to try and sort this out. I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily a good fit. Okay, Mike? Yeah, um, he waited so long for the right job to come along and then he went to Everton. That's kind of where I'm at. It is a Premier League job, though. No, that is true. Uh, I mean, that's more of a joke. I think, to be honest, it's not a terrible time to have taken the Everton job as much as we've slated him in the last month. Because, kind of like when he took over Chelsea, there isn't a huge amount expected for the rest of this season. Which is help so long as he doesn't get relegated. Which the squad, sh- the squad's not good, but it shouldn't be getting relegated. There's got to be three worse teams in the league than this Everton team. Um, yeah, so long as he doesn't get relegated, you've pretty much got a free hit for the rest of the season to get. Uh, then you've got a summer window um, to get your a few of your players in. Uh, maybe use the Chelsea loan system <laughs> as he did at Derby. Um, and then yeah, you can really put your spin on it over this over the summer, and then you've got next season to start kind of a bit more fresh. Mm-hmm. So as much as I don't like what's happening at Everton at the moment, I think that there are worse times to taking this job. To be fair, I think sh- short term challenges huge. Yeah. Probably slight. If you're looking at the long term, you're probably looking at a club with that does have bags of potential. Whether or not they ever reach it is. Is, is another question. I think Lampard's Lampard 
very different to Benitez. Benitez, very dour football. If there's one thing we know about Lampard from his time at Chelsea, it's that he'll set up his team to go and attack. I mean, the underlying numbers for Chelsea when he was there, were he had, he had the best attacking metrics other than when jo- Jose won the league in 14-15, which is impressive. His main problem is he doesn't know how to set up a midfield quite right yet, and he doesn't perhaps get the best out of his defenders, which, if you're in Everton's situation, is, is slightly worrying for him in the immediacy. But what I would say is... Um, breaking news. That's, that is breaking news. Calvert-Lewin <laughs> is back fit. So Calvert-Lewin wasn't there first half of the season, so he's got his best player back immediately, um, which is hopefully going to see an upturn in form for them. I, I want to say on Calvert-Lewin that people keep saying he's he's useless, and I don't know where this has come from. <laughs> yeah. I've been arguing all week about Calvert-Lewin. I don't know told... where this has come from. This guy's fantastic, and I've when he gets told... fit again... I've been told that Arsenal could do better than Calvert-Lewin, and I'd argue Calvert-Lewin could do better than Arsenal. <laughs> so there you are. Um, speaking of actual confirmed transfer news, let's start with Donny van der Beek, who mm. fortunately, even though he made 50 appearances for Manchester United, as their social media told us, um, he never really caught fire, Mike. What, what are you hoping to What an awful post. <laughs> what an awful post that is. I mean, that could have been Dave's terrorist Twitter take, but it's not going to be. They do, in fact, top the fan engagement table for the entire oh, well, Premier League. surprise. That's what happens when you put Ronaldo on every every second post. And the other anyway. one is defeat Old Trafford. Um, <laughs> no, Van der Beek to Everton, I like it, to be fair. Apparently, Lampard was key in, in getting him in there. Seems to make sense. They need help in midfield. Hopefully, he can actually play some Premier League games um, from the start. You'd think given what he was like at Ajax, that he'd walk into this Everton team. Maybe not straight away. Who knows? But if, if you go back to his Ajax days, he was brilliant in the Champions League. Goals, assists, all sorts on that that uh, run to the semis, um, including, I think, scoring in the Bernabeu. So that was good fun. I, I think there is a player in there. Clearly, the United coaches did not think that. I don't really know why, but... It, it'll be interesting to see how he does for the, the rest of the season. And uh, I'm hoping that he proves the United staff wrong, to be honest, because he's been pretty poorly treated since he arrived at Old Trafford. You'd expect from what you saw at Chelsea and Derby that Lampard's going to play some kind of 4-3-3. So you're probably looking at Van der Beek's going to be one of the one of the, one of the eights, the three eights. And yeah. looking at Corey, uh, Van der Beek and Allen is a nice, strong midfield. I mean... Alan's probably your destroyer, and then you've got two box to box players slightly ahead of him, and that that's quite a tantalising prospect if you're an Everton fan. You can get a little bit excited about that, I'd say. Yeah. On, or, on paper, anyway. Whether it works, we'll have to see. But on paper, it it seems it sounds good. And maybe finally we'll see Iwobi in the central role as a centre mid. I've never seen anything in Iwobi, so there's that. <laughs> um, Dave. Talking for four three three, that makes a whole lot of sense. Are you perhaps so slightly perturbed that they're going after Deli Ali then, a guy who famously thrives more as a a number ten second striker kind of thing? Is it a bit weird to you that signing? Yeah, I'm not sure Deli Ali's gonna fit in that system. Like you say, he doesn't really fit in the midfield three. I mean, whenever he's played in this Tottenham team and the last few managers, 
just doesn't seem to work in, in a midfield three anyway. Whether you try and have him like box to box, try and have him a bit further forward, it's obviously not really a defensive player. And ultimately, where he wants to play, which is like a number 10, you've got to have someone more willing to run to cover where he won't be on the pitch. So, I, I don't know. Unless, unless they're deciding they would have massively changed their system, I, I don't think it's particularly a smart one, given what you've seen from him basically lacking to do pretty much anything in a three-man midfield already. Why put him into another three-man midfield? Um, doesn't really make much sense as far as I'm concerned. You're not going to get the best out of him by playing him in a, in a way that he hasn't been good for a few years. I just baffles me, but it's everything, isn't it? We know that they have a shocking transfer policy. I mean, he could, he could turn good. He could turn good, but it doesn't seem smart right now. If uh, if La- if Lampard had a lot to do with Van der Beek, do you think, uh, I assume he has, he would have some input into the whether they whether they would sign Deli Ali? I've no idea. Is he yeah, you guys will know whether they get this one over the line or not by the time this is out. Yeah, even uh, even I mean even so, it's interesting, isn't it, from Deli Deli Ali perspective that if you were go, if look, let's take all the tactics out. Let's take all the sensible analysis out. I'm about to do some proper Daily Mirror type narrative journalism. Here we go. Deli Ali goals from midfield is going to go and play under Frank Lampard. Like, is this a chance? Like, if there's one thing you would say about Lampard is he certainly improved all the attacking players at Chelsea when he first got there. I mean, he nurtured them pretty well. Perhaps from Deli Ali's perspective, even if you're not particularly sure about the where you're going to play. It feels like he needs a fresh start. It feels like perhaps a fresh start under a manager who I assume is he's looked up to, given the type of player he is. No, I think that is a good point, um, and probably fairly relevant in Delhi Alley's thinking. Was was he? He was linked with Newcastle. <laughs> you don't want to go there. Is he? Yeah, so it's it's not surprising that he's he doesn't really want to go there. Playing under Frank is an interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting thought because you could think he would learn a lot from Frank given uh, the positions that they would both probably try and take up on the football pitch. So, yeah, on that front, it's in, uh, interesting. I, it doesn't seem to make sense if you sign Van der Beek and Deli Alley. No, it makes no sense at whatsoever. all. <laughs> so, I, I don't, I, I, that doesn't really compute with me at all. But, hey, absolutely. This is Everton. They, they do what they want up there, kind of, to a point. I mean, I, I, I love Frank Lampard. I always want him to succeed, but I really do want to see him try and teach Michael Keane a high line. <laughs> <laughs> Just him running around with his fridge. Um. Anyway, we'll move quickly, we'll move quickly off Everton because, God knows, we've talked about it, Everton enough recently. Um. Up next, I want to talk to um. I want to talk to you about Aubameyang. Um. What's going on with Aubameyang? Because we feared for an Odin Wingy situation here. Well, that, that's certainly what was going on in our group chat um, about 10 minutes ago. But in the last five minutes, it, it appears that Aubameyang to Barca is back on. Free transfer, permanent deal. Uh, as as we record, he's undergoing the medical. So we're assuming this will happen, um, which would represent a huge wage saving, obviously, for Arsenal. Uh, it is interesting. I don't understand how... 
based on what I know about the financial situation at Barca, I have no idea how they can possibly register this guy. They're gonna um they're gonna go to Titi and say we'll pay you for a hundred we'll pay you sixty five pounds for a hundred years per week. Yeah, keep yeah but don't worry, because in thirty years it'll <laughs> all start like, going up. I feel like someone's gone to Titi and they've asked him the question, would you rather have a million pounds now or a penny for the rest of your life every day or something? And he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, I, yeah, there'll be some weird accounting going on. You can be sure of that. But they've got cities in for Arsenal. Makes sense, I guess. He clearly isn't much of a part of Arteta's plans. There's speculation that Arteta's got a signing up his sleeve. I, I can't see it this late in the window, to be honest. So, so that means that Arsenal have only really let players go. They haven't yeah. brought anyone in, which. Uh, Twitter, obviously, not the best barometer of things, but it looks like most fans are fairly disappointed with that. Yeah, well, I know from talking to Paul Brass, he's not particularly happy. Dave, what have you made of it? Because Ainsley Maitland-Niles has gone. Um, Aubameyang's gone now. Callum Chambers. A lot of squad players. Um, but in this, we've already seen this season that people are reliant on their squads. It's a bit weird to let them all go in January when you're perhaps overperforming your expectations like Arsenal are. Yeah, I think it's definitely definitely strange. I mean, it's fine to let some squad players go if you're at least going to bring in some sort of reinforcements. But yeah, I mean, Chambers handy if you get, for example, an injury at right back, centre back, you can slot in. That option's gone. Bamiang, obviously, I mean, Arteta obviously doesn't like him, but he's not a bad squad player as a striker. Mike Lowe is versatile, and now they're bringing in a versatile player. Whether he wants to play Aubameyang or not, still lost two versatile players. Makes no sense to me in the climate of what we've seen with them having to rotate squads so often. All of the games that are now going to have to be played anyway, given the cancel games, just the manic fixture congestion. Really poor squad management from Arsenal, to be totally honest. It kind really of makes sorry. sorry, it kind of makes you think that they didn't think they were going to make top four. That's what it makes me think that they they really didn't didn't think they had a great chance of top four because Spurs have let some players go but they've brought some players in. United yeah. haven't really done much but that's just, they don't really do much in January usually. Uh, obviously Fernandez a bit of an exception there but yeah and Arsenal have kind of gone backwards. Yeah. As as squad depth goes yeah. Look I I don't want to be the to bring her bad news, but Arsenal have spent most of this January looking for a striker. I mean, they've fluttered their eyes at Vlahovic. I mean, when I'd, I know you can't rely on the press at all times, but when you constantly hear that the player doesn't fancy you and then you continue to persist, I, I think you have to move on. Um, and then they looked at Isaac, and then, as we discussed, there's some rumours of Calvert-Lewin. Aubameyang's now going. Lacazette's out of contract in the summer. Crystal Palace are bidding for Eddie Nketiah because they want another bank average striker. So um, Arsenal striker situation is rapidly approaching crisis point. Non-existent. I mean, it is. It is. Like, I know they've got goals. I mean, with Smith Rowe and Martinelli, they've certainly got goals. But they, they do need that striker in the Giroud mould who can get you 15 goals a season. God, where's he at now? least get him back AC Milan European champion Olivier Giroud I just wanted nice, to flag nice that fucking terrible situation over at Arsenal yeah it's 
Well, at least Cronky will be happy. They're saving a bit of money on the wage bill, so that's good. Yeah, they are indeed. Let's cross North London quickly to talk about um, Tottenham. Um, Antonio Conte certainly been backed. Benson Kerr buying a bit low, but at his peak, good ball-winning midfielder that should really help add a bit of steel and bite to that midfield. Um, obviously, Ndombele's gone. What do you think about Spurs's sort of behaviours this transfer window? Pretty yeah, interesting, to be honest. Oh, look, positivity for Spurs. Someone take it before I throw up. <laughs> I think, no, I think I think they've sort of, obviously, Conte doesn't see much in La Salso, so they've loaned him out to, I think it's Villarreal. Obviously, Deli Ali, no manager's seen anything in him, seemingly, or not been convinced for like the last three or four managers. Probably makes sense to move him on. Um, also, on Dombele, as good as he he can be on on his day, he's so inconsistent. At times, doesn't even seem to run, which is the absolute bare minimum. Even if a player's not good, you hope they work their ass off, and he, he just doesn't. Obviously, Conte probably doesn't like his mentality or something. Bringing in Kulazewski, I think, could be good. He's a player that good seems player. to have a lot of like mess. Um, Brian Gill, they loaned out as well. I mean, he's looked okay, but he's not getting minutes, so probably wise to help his development and, and get him back out on loan. Um, and then, obviously, Benton Core probably adds something a bit different to their midfield. Um, yeah. Maybe put, take some of a load off someone like Hoiberg, for example. Um, mm-hmm. Adds a bit Definitely. of quality. Obviously, a massive upgrade on, say, like Oliver Skip. So, I think, yeah, it's a pretty good... Agreed. Agreed. I mean, still... Squad management and, and just battering the squad as a whole. Agreed. I think um, Kulisewski's a really interesting one, isn't he? Because if you, if you assume that Conte's going to go to that 3-4-3 that he used so well in his first spell in England, um, you really are looking for that... Who's, gonna, who's the third banana that's going to partner Son and Kane and Kulisevsky is perhaps not showed the best of himself at Juventus but I think for, I was reading an athletic profile on him a few days ago and he was a young player of the year a few years ago and he does run with a bit of power he's got a good left foot I think it's interesting he's different and crucially he's still young like it feels like Spurs have managed to move on a lot of the deadwood that they bought in that disastrous transfer window wow. in Pochettino's last summer. And it was a disaster, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. Dombele is talented, but it's never kicked on. The Celsius never really worked. I mean, the past one, they've just gone. Brian Hill's never really worked. I mean, he was great in the Big Bang Theory, but it's just never really worked out for him. So I just think it was a good window. I know they've lost some numbers, um, but in as opposed to Arsenal, they might have lost some numbers, but they have added some real quality, I think. Two players who I would be surprised to see ride the bench for too long. Um so yeah. Well, yeah, they'll well done Spurs. <laughs> they'll be making an impact soon enough, definitely. On the subject of Spurs though, spent a lot of their um early transfer window flushing fluttering their eyes at Diaz, who has gone to Liverpool for, I think it's about £39 million. Um, I'm not going to tell you I watched the Portuguese league week in, week out, but I like this signing. Um, from what I've seen in the Champions League, he looks a good player. What do you guys make of this? I mean, yeah, I, same. I haven't really watched him, but it's got it's been pretty decent uh, in terms of numbers. He's looked good in the Champions League. He's only 21, I think. Obviously, the way he, yeah, like obviously, 25. I really him, but he is he. 
25, yeah. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I've, I don't know why I thought he was younger. Well, okay. Well, no, in his prime, Dave. Wish... Just change the points. He's in his prime. Why are you still in his prime? 25, <laughs> 25. Don't worry, Dave. You're in the camera roll perfectly. <laughs> but, yeah, um, Liverpool have bought him, so he's probably pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, quite direct, but interesting plays on the left. Um, direct, bit of pace, kind of like the ideal profile that you'd expect Liverpool's strikers to have. He's comfortable in tra- transition and also comfortable receiving passes off the number nine. Another scoring threat. The reason why I ask you this is less about the player he is and more about the player he's, players he's potentially replacing. What do you... So now looking at Liverpool's options, we've always been a bit short up front. We've had, and now they've got Salah, Firmino, um, Mane, Jota, Diaz, and Minamino. It feels like a lot of players there of high quality going into three spots. Um, succession planning wise, do you think this is about the Salah contract, or do you think it's just being sensible and getting your Mane replacement in before you actually need him? Doesn't make you wonder, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, the reports haven't been great about this Salah contract, which I just don't... Well, we famously think you should just pay the man Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Um, potentially, potentially they sign a contract with Salah and move Marnie on. I don't, I, it's a difficult one, but yeah. I, I think Liverpool know what they're doing. If, if everything else that they've mainly done... It, is to go by of unfortunately I have to trust what whatever it is that they're doing over there which really pains me to say but in general mm. they're pretty good I think Minamino I don't know how long he'll actually last there I think he'll end up moving on Jota's class um and yeah you, you're gonna have to probably move one of the three the, the original three on at some point maybe may well be in the summer and it could be Salah if they don't sign this deal so yeah, it's um it's interesting it's, to watch out for what that might mean. For, yeah, for the other the other three. Yeah. Um. Does this do anything to their title hopes? Do you reckon? Don't know. I think I, I don't think anyone can catch City to be honest. No, 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 me neither. But I had to ask. Um. But no, good signing for Liverpool. And if there's one thing that all the um. Liverpool fans will tell you it's that they need um, more capable deputies. I mean, it is interesting that they're still going to be going into games playing James Milner and uh, John Henderson in central midfield, isn't it? Like in the year of our Lord 2022. Um, should we talk about them, Dave? Newcastle, we thought they were going to be the really big spenders in this window yeah. and they've, they've bought well. Um, so they've bought Bruno Guimarães. I probably butchered his yeah. last name. They bought it from Leon. He's young Brazilian international. Seems like a good signing. They've got Matt Target in from Villa. Can he get Dan Byrne over the line? And Chris Wood. Chris. Um, which of those deals do you think is most important to them staying up? Which of those four? God, that's tough, Well, when I feel like all of those were critical areas. I mean, to be honest with this Newcastle team, I'm going to say... Bruno, uh, the surname that you made a much better. I need you to try pronounce. <laughs> Bruno Gamarash. Yeah, I think Gimarash? that's it. 
give it a rush. I don't know. Good yes. player, though, by all accounts. My thing is with Newcastle is that they've obviously got some talent going forward. and But their midfield has had so little balance and so little quality that they just lose the ball. And that's that's the problem. If they can get someone in there and this guy's as good as he seemingly is, that will plug a massive gap for them. And at the end of the day, if you're having scrappy games, which at this point Newcastle are fighting for every point, if you can pull your weight in midfield, you're, you're going to do better than if you're just, you know, you've got no midfield and then it's just a defence getting caught on the break. If he can come in and plug that gap, that will be as good for them as any striker, in my opinion. What happened okay. uh, What happened with the Dan Burns stuff? That's all gone quiet. I thought they were going to bring it's him. Com- as as of eight minutes ago, completed it. Oh wow! It's, it's done, yeah. That to me is the biggest one because um, you know, like it was a bone of contention. Bone of contention when Benitez was at the club that he desperately wanted a centre half, desperately wanted a centre half, desperately wanted a centre half, and you look at them, you look at them, and bar Lascelles, you've got no one in there who resembles even a slightly modern defender. So that's a massive signing, I think. Um, Mike, target Chris Wood. Um, what do you make of these signings? There's. They're decent Premier League players, so <clears throat> uh, good to add to the squad. Obviously, I think Chris Wood's going to play quite a bit, given that Wilson is out uh, for a while. Uh, their left back is who's their left back? They're not still playing Paul Dummett up there, Paul are Dummett. they? They are. Oh, okay. They are. Yeah. So Matt Target <laughs> walks into that slot as well. Dan Byrne drops into centre back. It's a shame, really, they missed out on this uh, Ekatike or whatever his name is. But they've upgraded four spots. They met, yeah, maybe could have done with one more, but I think that's a pretty good window given. I think Jesse Lingard might be going there as well. Well, if they can get so, that one over the line, that'd be a great little signing. Yeah, I, um, I, I think he could make a big difference up there, like almost like he did at West Ham, I guess. I, I think yeah. he's, he is a good player. He just, he's never gonna get there at never United. No, no. Um, but yeah, good window. How do you rate their chances of staying up now? Much better than I did before the window. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, they're in a much better spot, I think. Um, the the week off helps them because they didn't have to play a game while they were getting all these transfers over the line. <laughs> and then yeah. is the FA Cup weekend next weekend as well? But they're not in that. Oh, yeah, of course. They're out of that. So they're getting, <laughs> do they get another week off or maybe they're playing? Get some time on the training ground. I mean, Kieran Trippier as well. We shouldn't forget came this January. I know it feels like a couple of months ago that happened, but it's a good, good window. Um, probably about as good as you could expect a window to go in the in their situation. I think um, so. I think, I think they have overspent a little bit, but they're always going to. They haven't done anything too outrageous, to be fair. Mm. No. Um, no. I mean, if you I look think at it's all this sensible window, actually, given yeah. The they're in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think one of the biggest things they've done is they took Chris Wood off Burnley as opposed to adding Chris Wood themselves because Chris Wood's not having as good a season as he can have, but he's usually a steady goal scorer for Burnley. And they obviously replaced him with Weghorst. Dave, what do you think about this? I mean, he's got a good goal scoring record for in the Bundesliga. Uh, pretty good seasons for Wolfsburg. I think his last three, three seasons is similar like 16, 20, 17. So pretty solid. However, like we've mentioned on this podcast before, Bundesliga defenders 
they're not made of very stern stuff, are they? And I mean, he's a target man, so he fits the bill. But I mean, if I was going into this relegation scrap, I'd much rather have Chris Wood, the 10 goal a season proven Premier League striker, than a guy who on paper could be great, but could be. I mean, it's a big step up, and ultimately, in in this Burnley team, they're not even creating as much as they usually do. I mean, it could be as good as he he possibly can, but if not going to create, whereas at least Newcastle have the creators already. They're just missing strikers. I mean, yeah, I'd I'd be back in Newcastle in this one. I mean, that course could come really good. Like he obviously has the potential to be good, but I think. When you're in this situation, someone with Premier League experience, they just trump anyone else, really. So, I mean, I think it's a good sign for Burnley, but it's one of those, just an unknown quantity, isn't he? Despite his stats. Yeah. On paper, a better player, I think. I think that's fair. Um, probably a good fit for Dyche, given the way he plays. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Um, look, I mean... I know better than most strikers in the Bundesliga. You take what they're doing over there with a pinch of salt. Um, yeah. So, those are really the big ones, in the Premier League at least. Um, any? Have you got any other transfers you want to quickly shout out as being one that you thought particularly good or particularly bad? Um, uh, I'm pleased to see Christian Eriksen back in the league. That was the one I really wanted to... <clears throat> really stuff. wanted to shout out Ericsson to Brentford, um, mm-hmm. providing it's all safe, which it must, which you assume it is, mm-hmm. given the extra checks and stuff that are bound to have been done. Great to have him back in the league, uh, and really, it'll be really nice to see him playing football again. To be honest, after obviously what happened at the Euros, so yeah, quite excited to see him in a on a football pitch again. Agreed. Agreed. Sure. Anyone you surprised didn't move? Yeah, you'd you'd have thought Lingard would have gone. Um, oh, there must be some others. Well, it, I, I was going to say it's a shame that they didn't get Lampard announced earlier so he could have a proper crack at getting Ross Barkley in. Um, <laughs> get him back <laughs> up there. I just like, that's nailed on. It's a bit to be some speculation. Um, oh, the other, yeah. the other one. If if uh, Aaron Ramsey to Rangers happens, by the way, that, I mean that is it's that wild. It's happened. Has it? Yeah. He's gonna piss that league. Yeah. He's absolutely is... gonna piss that league. I mean that's crazy, isn't it? Uh, run out. Yeah. Like, what's he doing in the SBL? Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm gonna ask the question: Who has had the best transfer window? Um, in the Premier League, you've obviously got Newcastle are contenders. You've got Villa, who've had a pretty decent one. Yeah, yeah they've spread theirs out. Positions. Got it done earlier. They've had a good window. Yeah. You've got Spurs, I guess, have had a pretty good one. Um, yeah, what do you think? Who's had the best one? I'll order those three for you. I've got Villa as number one, Newcastle as two, and Spurs as three, I think. Yeah, so Villa number one. Why Villa number one? I just think they upgraded in a lot of key positions. They were quite smart. And one thing I really like is when you've got a plan and you do it early, you're not scrambling on deadline day trying to pick up Jesse Lingard and Dean Henderson. 
they they got it sorted early because Watford apparently have just inquired at half past eight on deadline day for Dean Henderson. That's why I bring that up. Um, yeah, got it done early. They've upgraded in a lot of key positions and done quite a bit of good business. Newcastle next. Also upgraded five key positions. They took uh, Chris Woodoff Burnley, one of their relegation rivals. And given what they could have done, I think it was quite a sensible window. And again, Spurs got a couple of people out who aren't really going to get too many games. Improved probably the quality of the squad and players that Conte's happier to work with. So I think, yeah, all three good windows. That's the order I'd go for, I think. Okay. So, no football this week, so no John to report other than to say that he remains at Newcastle and will remain as part of this podcast, at least tangentially for the upcoming weeks. No stat of the week, because again, no football. However, we go to our new segment, which is Twitter's terrorist takes. As you know, ladies and gentlemen, David Harris likes Twitter. He likes to spend a lot of time on Twitter. He likes to get some of his footballing opinions from the Twitter. Verse he also likes some strange tweets on Twitter. He also likes some strange tweets on Twitter. I don't know. Including... Oh no. Tweets that say Luis Diaz is 21 years of age. But we ask him every week to bring me and Mike or whoever else is on the podcast a tweet that we haven't seen so we can react live to it. Dave, what's the terror tweet this week? Uh, so basically, obviously, the Alexander Isaac uh, like rumours for Arsenal. Uh, there were some Arsenal fans that saw, I think it was a Rolls Royce with. Isaac as a it was I5 AAK driving around and they convinced themselves that it was in fact Alexander Isaac one turns out to be some totally random bloke that's had that for like four years (laughs) secondly (laughs) not having any striker at all and to top it off it turns out Alexander Isaac did come to London this weekend but purely in Oxford Street. <laughs> <laughs> also, isn't isn't his name I'm spelled sure, differently uh, to that? Isn't it I S A K? There's no like double A in it. No, there's not. But I mean, it would make sense if someone wanted to put that in a number plate, I guess. But yeah, they convinced themselves it was him. People like AFC hashtags. People saying, you know, we've got him. This he's coming. <laughs> Some random bloke. <laughs> never change Arsenal fans Um, you got got Jim White out the window just asking him he's leading around he's just at the drive-thru where's your medical Um, no Wazzock of the week from me so I'm going to open the floor do you two particularly have a Wazzock of the week of the world of football you want to give it to well there's one we won't speak about Uh, no we won't speak about that everyone knows but um, yes, we shall not speak about that. Uh, Lee, I don't think I've... Lee hmm? Johnson at Sunderland somehow. Yeah, actually, that's Lee Johnson. Team in League yeah. One. To, they've had some heavy defeats this season. They lost six 0 You can't do that as Sunderland manager. You can't one. One. Good. Come on, Did, guys. Didn't he also say that um, his goalkeeper was having heart issues as a, as a result of the vaccine, the COVID vaccine as well? I believe yeah. that's the Lee Johnson one too. Yeah, he's a perfectly worthy winner of Wazdak of the Week if we're <laughs> keeping it fairly uh, light. Um, that was a really quick episode. We got through everything quickly, but um, when you've got the Doomsday Clock 
ticking down behind you like Jim White currently has. Um, yeah, you got to get a move on. Um, worst deadline day ever for you, lads? What was it? Because I can remember one where we all went, we were all sat in Henry Hodgson's living room and Marrow and Fellaini was the only one signed. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that was an awful window. Yeah, yeah, that was. You know, so we were still we were still in sixth form then, Mike. We're now in jobs in an adulthood, and Man United are still incompetent. <laughs> They're still doing the same shit. Yeah. It's funny how uh, the more yeah. things change, the more things stay the same. Um, but that will do us for this week. And um, Mike, if people want to follow you on Twitter to find out more about Joel Linton and Talisa, where can they do so? Uh, at Mikey Bresson on Twitter. And <laughs> Dave, if they <laughs> Dave, if the people want to follow you to find out more about Luis Diaz's age, where can they do so? It's <laughs> at Dave Morris underscore 44. And it's got 21, I believe. <laughs> it's got 21. And you can find oh, me right. at World 17. <laughs> I know where you got it from Twitter. Um, but in the meantime, you can also follow us all at In and Around Pod on all the socials. And until next time, Mike. Sayonara. There we go.